Welcome to HLB Cross-Border Business Talks, HLB's global podcast series on international business topics. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm joined today by Chris DeMaio, HLB's Global Emerging Technology Leader, Patrizio Prospero from HLB Malta, and David Sacarellos from HLB USA. We're going to be discussing emerging growth companies and M&A activity during the pandemic. In terms of M&A activity, what are you seeing in the marketplace? Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think when we look at 2020, uh, we've seen a pretty significant increase in M&A, uh, but it's been for a lot of different reasons. Uh, there's been acquisitions happening because companies are sort of looking at the pandemic and it was it was a painful you know event for them, and they were sort of waving the white flag and saying we don't have the the gumption to go another two three years and rebuild from this pandemic um we'd rather just merge up and that was combined with big companies with big balance sheets like the facebook's of the world who had capital to deploy and wanted to acquire good technology good technology and good um client uh, good uh employee bases so you saw a lot of deals happening there um but then you also saw saw a lot of companies that had uh, been really positively impacted by the pandemic based on where they were in the marketplace, online retailers, especially online retailers of food uh, and, and, you know, going out to the market and, and raising money on high valuations off of really, really, you know, aggressive revenue uh, growth uh, became another area where, where companies were, were benefiting from, from the pandemic in terms of M&A. Patrizia, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I think that uh, um, as every uh, disruptive event uh, brings, I mean, with him, with him um, even COVID has uh, provided with a certain uh, level of, of opportunities. So I think for what concerns M&A, uh, what we have seen is that um, there were a lot of companies, especially in the um, the new emerging technology, uh, that they have found um, the opportunity of acquire companies which they didn't actually, um, you know, manage to sustain their business through the pandemic. Uh, having said that, we, we, I think that there were also companies which they have holded uh, to uh, their original plans. And uh, uh, we have seen a number of uh, merger and acquisitions. They were delayed and they eventually will be closing in 2021. Uh, we know that there, there are also a lot of companies which they have requested um, a reassessment of the value, uh, a recalculation of the value of the merger because of the pandemic. So uh, it, I don't think that it affected everybody in the same in the same way. Uh, I think that there is a way uh, that there are companies which they have actually benefited from the situation and found good opportunities, uh, but some other companies they had to hold their horses. And uh, um, some deals fell through as well. Uh, so I think that 2020 it was uh, a bit of uh, you know a, a year of, of um, uh, where, where companies they also had to uh, put everything on standby to eventually see how the situation is going to get after um, the COVID uh, situation. So 
Um, I'm I'm quite uh, curious to see how it's going to, what's going to happen in 2021 because from the uh, analysis that we have, uh, you know, in, in uh, uh, through through uh, surveys and through uh, deep study, we'll see that we are seeing that eventually uh, some merger and acquisition are going to be closed by the end of 2021. So um, I think that 2021 could be also a good year. Uh, for for this kind of of uh, uh, deals to be to be actually achieved and closed finally, what it was hold uh, in 2020, it could be finalized in 2021. So we will see how it's going to what's going to happen this year. David, how how have you seen the marketplace? Well, I, I think after the lockdowns happened last year, in, in going into 2021, maybe my comments really about 2021, I think there's a renewed optimism. Uh, I, I think um, there is, uh, you know, quite a bit of government uh, response. We've got vaccines going out, and I think there's a view that there's quite a bit of funding available and demand available that 2021 is going to be really a, a good year. Uh, most people we're, we're talking with believe that 2021 will have valuations about the same or if not higher than, than the, in the past and the deals will be, if anything, the same or if not more. So I think obviously we had a big influx toward the end of 2020. Uh, most people are, are really looking toward 2021 to be um, a good year. I think especially in um, technology, healthcare, consumer goods, Clearly, um, retail and uh, real estate probably are at the downside of that of that uh, trend. Uh, but I, I think overall, I think it's going to be an optimistic year for 2021. Talking about real estate, um, we're now obviously in the era of uh, remote working. Is real estate changing in this new new time? And what are the role of emerging growth companies? Uh, David, I'll start with you. Well, I think um, I think of the real estate in, in kind of in a handful of different ways, um, and it does impact how you think about emerging growth companies and and their involvement. And in I think uh, real estate is going to have to assess and continue to figure out space needs and um, and work from home models and and really whether or not or how the market has changed from a su supply and demand. Uh, uh, area clearly emerging work emerging companies uh, found new ways to attract capital attract both financial capital and human capital and technology and other um, aspects of, 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 of development and innovation globally because of the pandemic and you don't have to be in a building uh, but that assessment's going to have to continue what we're seeing and hearing also is that young people, are frankly a little tired of not going into the office and being with other people. They believe it does, in some cases, hamper innovation. Um, and they want to be able to do both. They want to be at home and they want to go in. So I think right now, you know, the market's going to have to assess really what is the supply and demand. In addition to that, at least in the United States, I think we're all looking at the new Biden administration. Uh, secondly, to see where, where regulatory rules are going to change, where tax law is going to change. Um, whether or not the broaden or limit opportunity zones, uh, those all impact the real estate market, and they and they they do impact, especially in Silicon Valley. Um, a, a lot of folks have been 
thinking about putting startup companies in opportunity zones because not paying tax on that gain is kind of a nice thing if you think about it. So there is uh, questions about uh, just regulatory rules and uh, tax policy moving ahead. And I, and I think at least um, in the larger markets, probably uh, in California, New York, and some of the others, we are looking at the disputes among landlords and tenants. Here in California, we, we just uh, yesterday came down and they are going to um, stop any kind of evictions um, from uh, commercial properties, um, at least for now. So we're at least through June. So we'll see where that leads. That's going to impact um, technology companies, emerging companies that have long-term leases that they're right now have on their balance sheet. So we'll see where that goes as well. Uh, Patricia, from a European perspective. Yes, um, basically, I mean, what I'm, I'm in agreement with what David said, um, meaning that, of course, uh, working from home uh, has brought a number of uh, companies, I mean, to effectively cut costs and, and, and eventually having also the possibility of relocating, you know, their, their space um, or, or changing the use of their space. Uh, at the office. Um, although uh, when we're looking at uh, the human capital, I think that this has negatively affected on the long term or on the long term it will be negatively affecting uh, uh, also the, the way how, um, especially in the tech industry, um, people before used to perceive um, the way. I mean, I remember a few years ago, before uh, this pandemic uh, happened, um, you know, working in a tech company was the fun, uh, you know, was the fun job. I mean, you you used to work with a tech company, you used to go, for example, working in Google offices, and it was like, um, you know, enjoying the time with your with your friends, having time to meet each other, to brainstorm, to create new ideas, uh, to discuss uh, possibly uh, new things to do, uh, and that was one most probably one of the key success factor of of uh, a tech company because they used to approach the human capital um, in a different way. So. Um, I think that before we that people working in tech company used to identify themselves with the culture of the company and they used to uh, feel more uh, belonging to the company I mean they, they, they felt this this kind of sense of belonging because it was uh, you know the, the whole culture was actually um, sort of transmitted to the to the person working in those offices. Today, working from home, it standardized a bit the experience, the work experience. So although it could have uh, brought um, a number of um, positive uh, financial, uh, financial um, repercussions, definitely it has also uh, an impact on the way how people are living the work experience. I mean, we read uh, statistics and we see that there are people which they feel more depressed, people that they feel more uh, the need of sharing, uh, um, you know, uh, and, and may, uh, meeting other people and exchanging and sharing ideas. And this is something which on the long term, it could affect obviously, especially for innovative company, uh, the innovation, the innovative, 
uh, element. So, you know, even uh, the fact that sharing experience, it makes, you know, uh, a whole in, uh, experience for, for, uh, for people, you know, to come up with new ideas and innovative ideas. So I think that could be on the long term, uh, something which we should be looking at in terms of human resources. Chris, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, the ripple effect of of remote work and the remote work environment is so deep. I mean, you, you could spend hours talking about how this is going to change the way that we work and live. You know, when, when you're in the middle of it, you always think of it as as probably more um, more of a change than it will be. So I, I agree, you know, it's not binary. We're not going to go to a full remote environment because there is there is absolutely very real benefit to being around people. Um, but I haven't talked to a single client that has said, we're going back to a five day work week in the office. Those days are over. Um, and that, that, that's an interesting thing to think about because it opens up so many different possibilities. First of all, you know, you now can have people, you can now seek talent in places that were, are far, far away from your office. You can now accommodate talent that, you know, maybe you have somebody that didn't want to live in New York City or California uh, and wants to live in Topeka, Kansas, and they can. Um, so it's going to open up possibilities. It's going to change the way that offices are laid out. Uh, it may or may not change the square footage, but it may change the way that they're designed. More collaboration space, less you know, offices and cubes because not as many people were going to be needing offices because we'll be sharing spaces more um, than we will, um, you know, having permanent spaces. Or perhaps we won't share spaces, but the spaces will be substantially smaller. Um, so there's a lot of potential change that's going to come, and we just don't know yet what that looks like. Uh, you know, some of this is going to be great for industries, certain industries, and some of it's going to be very damaging. Um, I'll give you an example. When you think about where we have gone with online conferences and with video conferencing, you know, everyone says we've advanced 10 years in, in a matter of 10 months. Um, that is going to have a very negative impact, a decimating impact in some cases on travel and hospitality, right? Because business travel it does not have to happen anymore in the way that it once did. Big important meetings can now happen on video conferences. Um, that changes the dynamic of the marketplace. And um, real estate is, 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 is certainly not going to be spared by that. Uh, you know, to, to David's point, I think, you know, could people be looking for less space, for no space? Could people be changing their space? Absolutely. Uh, and, and I don't think anyone's going to be able to fully predict the long-term impact. Uh, but it, it will be a winners and losers impact. I think some some industries will be very positively impacted. Some will be very negatively impacted. Um, but I think the cultural norms have yet to be set as to what we're going to be expecting from our, our, our employee bases going forward. Um, and you've mentioned already how um, firms, um, companies are still going public, but that has obviously changed. So what do SPACs mean to tech companies in the marketplace? Um, Chris, I'll start with you. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, SPACs have been around for, for a long time. Um, but, you know, over the last decade or so, you really haven't seen a lot of activity in the SPAC marketplace. 
in the United States, the process of going public is normally a fairly long, drawn out, um, expensive process. Uh, it could take years for a company to start the process of going public and actually come to that fruition. What SPACs have done is it has created a fast track to going public. Um, you know, the, the simple concept of a SPAC is a, an entity, which is a shell, is formed that goes public. Uh, it has no activity other than literally having a bank account with money in it. Uh, it then goes out and acquires a, a private company, which therefore makes that company now a public company. And it can be done in a matter of months rather than taking years to do. So it fast tracks the process of going public uh, and getting companies into the public market. Um, and, and that has created a really throthy market in the United States in terms of potential companies, potential targets of SPACs um, uh, and having liquidity events. David, how are you seeing things in Silicon Valley? Well, clearly, whether you're a traditional SaaS company, fintech, electric vehicle company, whoever you are, uh, the SPACs are offering a really enticing financing option. Uh, th this is another way to raise capital, uh, and it's and it's uh, somewhat easy, easier, I guess, than, than this going uh, going through IPO. I I note, noted um, Chris that on Monday, I just in preparation for our call, five companies announced plans to go public through SPAC mergers, at valuations over a billion dollars apiece. Yep. And and uh, all but one of the deals in the last number of last four months. Like only one didn't include a SPAC that was, uh, so there's quite a bit involved, quite a bit out there. And I think it's just another, the way I look at it is it's another financing option, whether it be faster or cheaper or what have you, it's another way to go if you're a tech company to, to raise capital. Um, and so it's also attractive to private equity companies in California and in, in Silicon Valley. Um, they've already been interested for years in SPACs, um, and you're going to see many more op um, funded, I think, in the coming years. Um, yes, there's reduced disclosure on the front end. I think um, the companies have, have a chance to really speak more directly to their investors, um, have a little more uh, transparency in, in what they're doing. Um, but, Chris, I agree. I, the question of the day is whether or not these valuations are realistic in the end. Um, so there is conversation in, in Congress of, and in the um, uh, Federal Reserve and some other folks and just making sure that whether or not there should be some more regulation, we don't know. Nothing's happened at this point in time. But as we look at 2021, it's just another very good way to raise capital. I think that's a, a, a good way to look at it. Yeah, the, 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 risk, the risk that I see out there is so many of these companies that are going to be targets of SPACs, you know, they're not really ready to be public companies, right? So they're going to snap a finger and all of a sudden they're going to be a public company. And these companies, the rules for their reporting is no different than a traditional public company. So, you know, are they going to have the internal accounting functions to be able to provide accurate financial statements on a quarterly basis? Are they going to be able to speak accurately to the street about revenue projections and growth? Um, these are things that they were never trained to do as a private company. And usually that's part of that kind of two-year process of going public is putting that infrastructure in place. And, you know, 
you know, how is that going to affect the market in the future when you have companies that just, they haven't, they're sort of building the plane as they're flying it and going into a big IPO. And now you've got the public markets investing into these companies. Um, you know, they're going to have to really, you know, step up and it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge for the next couple of years to the extent that these, uh, you know, these private companies with thin internal accounting departments are going public. So I'm conscious that the, you know, the situation obviously is rapidly changing um, and it continues to change at like an accelerated speed. What are your expectations for 2021? Um, who do you think the winners and losers will be in the kind of the tech space in regards to the pandemic? Uh, Patrizia, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, of course, I mean, um, we have seen a number of winners and losers uh, during this pandemic, um, pretty much. Um, we were, before discussing about working from home, uh, people, they stay more at home, uh, they travel less, they spend more time at their houses. So all those tech companies that somehow provide services to people which stay at home, definitely they are the winner of, uh, of, of this period of the pandemic. I mean, I just, just we mentioned before the video conferencing and how this effectively has impacted the way how we do business and how we actually interact today. Um, when you look at Zoom, for example, an application that before pandemic had about 10 million uh, subscribers and uh, in few months went up to 200 million. That makes you understand how uh, these kind of companies, they have uh, actually achieved um, a, a big success during the pandemic. Um, another winner uh, are, for example, the gaming company. As we said, people are spending more time at home and uh, they have to entertain themselves. So. Uh, when you're at home, what you're doing is you're either watching a movie. Uh, so there uh, we, we see that the streaming company like Netflix or um, Amazon Prime and all these kind of, of, of uh, companies, they have actually had a, a huge success. Uh, but also gaming company uh, like Nintendo has more than double his sales uh, during pandemic uh, or, of online gaming. Um, so uh, those, I think that definitely were two of the winners, I mean, if you want to identify winners, then there are companies which uh, they didn't, I mean, in my opinion, they didn't benefit. Uh, I mean, they, they won in, in some stages, but they also have lost uh, in some other uh, situation. And just to give you an example, if you take up Amazon, which uh, it's perceived to be one of the big winners, of uh, of this pandemic if you look deeply to the situation they have raised a lot of concerns with people working at amazon uh, about the work condition of employees at amazon uh, which is creating a lot of uh, pressure on uh, uh, on the company itself and on the other side don't forget that amazon for example has decided having the online sales business has also owns um, uh, one of the biggest cloud systems so people are storing a lot of companies which they actually are in difficulty of payment are finding very difficult to pay amazon's fees for what concerns storing of information on the cloud so that could be turning in uh, in a high risk so it doesn't mean that uh, everything that you know it's looking good it's actually uh, you know something which is definitely a win then there are those that we identify as major loser um, thinking about um, companies like Uber, for example, the transportation company, that they have lost 
uh, a lot of um, uh, of business uh, during the pandemic. Um, they had to uh, change their, their business model. Most of these companies now they have um, moved to the uh, business of delivering food rather than delivering person or driving people from 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 one side to another. Um, and definitely, then the companies uh, that we have seen in the past booming, like Airbnb or or uh, all the uh, internet-based uh, tech middlemen, what we call middlemen, um, they have seen a big loss during this period because people are not traveling. So, especially tourists, um, tourism portals, uh, as we said, Airbnb, Booking.com. Um, and all the others, they have seen a big loss in revenue during this period because um, there is no actually, uh, you know, uh, there are no actually people traveling. So business automatically has reduced. I think that uh, in a nutshell, these could be those that, which we could identify as winner losers. I maybe I don't know if uh, uh, Chris or or or, or Dave, they have more more uh, uh, to add to this. Maybe they they have other. Uh, opinions or, or uh, other examples to to provide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think in, I think in general, to your point, I mean, if you're an online business that is able to deliver, you know, a good conveniently, uh, you saw a huge increase in revenue in 2020. And the thing is, that's a permanent shift because you forced people to adopt a new technology, and now that they have, they're going to stay with it. So, you know, retailers will, will have to, you know, deal with the fact that you're going to have a lot of people that were once going to walk into a, a storefront to buy something, and now they're comfortable buying online. Um, and, and, and when you think about different demographics, you know, younger people have always been doing that. But if you're, if you're in the, you know, the 50 to 70-year-old demographic, maybe you weren't, and now you are, you may not be going back. And, and that's a huge, huge um, buying demographic. Uh, so I think I, I think that's probably one of the bigger shifts that you're going to see. I think um, you know they're definitely going to be a winner. And as I mentioned before, I think hospitality is is going to it's going to struggle for a long time. Travel and hospitality is going to struggle. I think you'll see a surge when the pandemic is over and people wanting to get their vacations in. But over the long term, I think you're going to see business travel is going is, is going to be so different. And that's where a lot of money is made, quite frankly, not necessarily on vacationers. Um, you know, I think that the the technology community will net benefit from the pandemic, and you know, getting away from the economics, I think one area where I think is 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 important is you know leadership in crisis. Um, you know, when when revenue is always going north and money is always flowing in from investors, uh, it becomes easy to lead. I don't want to say it's easy to lead, but you know, you, you don't have some of the pressures that maybe are out there. Uh, you you see companies emerge and leadership emerge when there's crisis. You know how do you deal with cutting costs? How do you deal with people? Where what are the decisions that you make? And I think that having gone through this, the companies that come out the other side will be better, more solid companies that will be better businesses um, because they'll 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 know that it's not just going to be about burning cash and how fast can you spend money on you know on on employee perks. Uh, it's going to be about how do you build a business that can survive things that happen that you don't see coming. Uh, and I think that that may be one of the most important uh, byproducts of this pandemic. Uh, 
that that maybe we're not seeing right now, but that that will grow out over time. David, any final thoughts? Well, OK, so predictions for 2021. I always like when people ask me that question. <laughs> um, clearly, I think uh, what most people feel is uh, technology, healthcare, and consumer goods are still going to be uh, at the forefront. Um, I think uh, we have a number of clients who are doing some amazing things in ag tech. The, the uh, field robotics in, in farming is, is certainly something people are keeping an eye on. Artificial intelligence, machine learning. Uh, we mentioned earlier just the whole issue of remote work technology. The cloud tech companies are going to be, uh, I think, are going to do fine. The fintech companies uh, are going to do very well. Anything related to enterprise health and wellness, I think, will continue to do very well. Food tech, if you haven't already, you probably will buy a plant-based hamburger. Is it called a hamburger? I don't know. But <laughs> you'll be buying something that's plant-based in the near future because that, that's something that people are interested, at least in the United States. Uh, technology around the insurance industry will be will be key in 2021. Um, we know in the Bay Area here in the Silicon Valley, mobility companies, your electronic electric vehicles, a lot of demand there. And I think there's gonna be a lot of money put into that, into that technology space. Uh, retail health, uh, wellness, uh, and anything connected with supply chain technology. It's gonna make it easier to move things from here to there and not have to be so um, beholden to a, a physical infrastructure. Uh, that's some thoughts that I have at least. Uh, I'll leave, maybe I'll leave it there. Thank you all very much for your time and thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening. For more information about this topic and other cross-border business insights, visit www.hlb.global forward slash insights.